DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is the author of many best-selling books on the theology and spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He holds the St. Ignatius Chair of Spiritual Formation at St. John Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome back, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. Glad to be here. And thank you for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies. We've said it over and over again, this really, and you've used the term, it mirrors so much of what most of us are going through when we do indeed struggle in the spiritual life. So thank you. Well, it's the starting point. We don't want to overlook these things. There are specifically spiritual struggles, which we'll be getting to shortly. But I think it's wise for us to first just be aware of the natural level, you know, of emotional and physical and so forth that may impact our spiritual lives. But let's look at a third scenario, and this is Paul. We have journal entries from Paul's spiritual diary. January 10th, daily mass makes a real difference. I'll try to do this at least a few times a week. And then March 15th, now he's using an app with the daily readings for Mass, and he likes it. May 3rd, daily prayer helps me face the day with more peace. I have more patience with my students. So Paul is a high school teacher. Something new in my relationship with his wife Rose and the children. Then we get to June. The pastor asks him if he'd consider being a Eucharistic minister for Mass, and he's happy to do that. We get to July And he and his wife, Rose, have a conversation of work as a teacher. He's decided that he really should get a master's because of all the benefits that will come in terms of competence and pay and so forth. Of course, he's going to have to do it part-time in the evening, that kind of thing, over some years. And it'll take maybe three to four years to do it. But Paul is filled with energy for this. And he wants to get it done in as short a time as is possible. So he's taking evening classes together with his full days of teaching. And you can see what we're setting up here. So we're now in November, getting harder to keep up with everything. I'm probably taking too many courses, but I want to get this done, not just for my sake, but for the family so things can get back to normal. And then we get to April. So this is about a year after when we first saw him. I'm dragging every day. I don't want to go to another class or read another textbook. I used to look forward to teaching, but now I have to make myself do it. I'm not teaching as well as before. I know the students sense it. Everything feels like a burden. So if any of us finds himself or herself using that kind of language, everything feels like a burden. There's something to notice here. It all comes down to this. I'm tired, really tired. I've never felt like this before. I know Rose is worried. I've also noticed that I haven't mentioned prayer in this journal for several months, and it used to be the main thing, the reason why I started this journal. Rose thinks I should speak with Father Reed at the parish. I don't know him well, but I like what I've seen of him. I know others talk to him, and probably I should too. So Paul does meet with Father Reed, and he describes his situation. I get up tired. I don't want to face the day. So these are all flags, you know, things to notice. 
I don't want to pray or help in the parish. Even being present to my wife and children feels like a burden. Even that, this man who is so in love with his wife and has such a good marriage and family, and this scares me. I love them, but that's what it feels like now, a burden. So we're painting the picture of a man whose energies appear to be almost completely exhausted, and even the happiest things in his life that he's loved are no longer, they're just burdens. I drag myself to the school, and I'm just glad when the day is over, or I would be, except that it means going to class in the evening and doing the assignments. My sleep is poor. I'm not exercising. I could say more, but I think you get the picture. I could sum it up this way. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I feel like I can't go on, and I don't see the way out. How do you even pray when you feel like this? As you see, my spiritual life is going badly as well. So they talk about it as Father Reed says to Paul, just what's it like for you to hear yourself say what you've just said? Paul eventually comes up with the word is this burnout. Now, as we've described the scenario, if it isn't burnout, it's uh, not far from it. Basically, what we have is a situation like that of John, whom we mentioned earlier, who's just not getting enough sleep, and then Beth, who is somewhat discouraged in her working situation. The difference here is that it's a much more exacerbated degree. His energies are almost completely depleted. And obviously, if he just goes on like this, whatever's going to happen is not going to be good for him. This is on the non-spiritual, natural, human level. Essentially, Paul has overstretched with goodwill. It's going to strain the family to have him working toward his masters. Out of love for his family, he wants to get this done as quickly as he can. The pastor has also asked him to take on a new role in the parish. All good things, but he has just spent energy in a way that he can't sustain. And a heaviness now has come into even that most central aspects of his life and where he loves and where he's most at home. So what's the remedy going to be? Father Reed suggests that he asks Paul. Paul says, it's hard for me to say this, but I probably have to slow the pace of studies for the degree. And I want to speak reverently here because uh, it may be that one or another, maybe many of us have been in these situations at time. I know I have where you're so energized about a good thing that you want to do that it's hard not to really pour your heart into it, which is what Paul has done here, but to a degree that is uh, depleting his energy. I probably have to slow the pace of studies for the degree that will allow me to rest more and have more energy for everything, teaching, family, classes, and prayer. And then Father Reed says, I think that would be a good place to start. I think it would also be good to speak openly with Rose about this, because Paul hasn't yet. She's, she's aware that things aren't going well, but what he's just said to Father Reed here, he hasn't really said so clearly, probably partly because he never saw it so clearly until he actually did put it into words with Father Reed. So he, he makes three suggestions for Paul. Yeah, they probably do need to slow the pace of the studies in the evening. Speak with Rose openly about this. And then he says it might be good to just visit with a doctor and get a physical and see what might come out of that as well. So if Paul is doing that, again, you can see things are probably going to balance out. And the goodness in him, the love for teaching, the love for his family, his marriage, all of that, which is in place, but is burdened now by an almost burnout of his physical and emotional energies, all of that will snap back into place because, again, he is taking wise care of his humanity. 
It's so good that as he was journaling, he even went back and looked and realized he wasn't even journaling the thing that he wanted to chronicle in the first place. And that's one of the real blessings of keeping a spiritual journal, if at all possible, and just kind of track yourself just to see how you are progressing in the spiritual life. Yes, journaling is a recognized practice in the spiritual life. You know, should everybody do that? Must everybody do that? I wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. But I think each person can ask himself or herself, might that be of some help to me? If we do it, there are at least two benefits from it. One is that in putting things into words and writing them out, we generally understand more deeply the experience that we're describing. I'm a writer, so I do keep a spiritual journal. And so many times I know something isn't right. And I know I need to get out the journal and even during a time of prayer and just start writing. And by the time I finish writing, I generally have a better understanding of what's going on and what I need to do for having done that. The second benefit is that it allows you to go back over your spiritual experience and you can kind of watch trends or where things have been and where they are. And that can be a helpful thing to see in the spiritual life. Because Paul has journaled like this, when he does meet with Father Reed, he has a better grasp of where things are. So there certainly are benefits to journaling. And I think it's a practice that each one can make a decision about. Now, for those who have read so many of your books, who have been able to be at seminars and to listen to the podcasts that we've had over the years, they're going to hear something in what he did, what Paul did, is he made a big decision. And did he discern that through properly when he decided to proceed with that master's? Did he take that time? I mean, that's just one of those little flags that came up. Was this just presented itself as a a very good thing, but maybe not the right time? I mean, maybe the lesson can be in reflecting when we do have burnout, maybe in the future, I'll take a little bit more of a pause before jumping into life-changing decisions. Yes, it's that same principle that when we go through a struggle and go through it well, as Paul is, you know, he's on the cusp of doing that now, you learn so much. And another time around, Paul will probably be wiser with this. I don't think everybody goes through burnout, but if we've been through a, a situation like that, probably one one lesson we take from it is I don't want this to happen again, you know, and we'll be more alert to that. So, yeah, having gone through it, Paul learns uh, in the flesh, as it were. And probably uh, together with Rose, as they explore this and talk about it together, they'll help each other to avoid that kind of situation going forward. Yeah, we are, again, exploring those in the three different scenarios we've had in our conversations in this area of the book, non-spiritual desolation. And it, again, is addressing those areas of our humanity in which we can be very much responsible for what's going on in our life. In some cases, even when illness befalls us or something like that, we can be aware, understand, and take some reasonable action to help with that. In saying that, it's also important, isn't it, Father, like the spiritual communities that have been established for hundreds of years to have what they've called a rule or a rule of life, a way of maintaining a balance and stability 
so that hopefully we don't find ourselves falling in these particular situations too hard when they do occur. Would you mind speaking to that about having a type of rule? It can be very, very simple. Well, if a person belongs to a group like you're describing, you know, third orders or those kinds of things, so they continue to live their lives, let's say if they're married people in the world and fully engaged in the world, but they are incorporating a certain spirituality into doing that, Benedictine, Augustinian, Franciscan, whatever it might be. Yeah, there's, there's help there because you do get a wisdom about the spiritual life that's mediated through the group like that. And very likely you're not alone because there'll be some kinds of gatherings or shared events or someone with whom to speak. So those are good things. So we can find that in various ways. There are many different groups and movements and so forth in the church which can help in that way. I think in speaking more generically, choose centrally placed practices in the spiritual life. So things like, of course, the Eucharist at the center, source and summit of the Christian life, as the council said, So how close to the Eucharist can I get compatibly with my other responsibilities? And that's going to change. Uh, A woman who has young children is in a different situation from a woman whose children have all formed their own families, you know, for example. Choose centrally placed practices, ones that are right at the heart of the spiritual life. Yeah, So I say the Eucharist, some kind of meditation, maybe something from the Liturgy of the Hours or Lectio, and then choose a sustainable amount of time for them a time that you know that you can sustain and not by eking out the last exhausted bit of energy, but choose a time, amount of time that you know you can do. I'm thinking here of a, another a conversation we had where Venerable Bruno Lanteri traces a program for a mother of four children. Get to Mass when you can, meaning obviously during the week when that's possible, knowing that it won't always be possible. Try to find 15 minutes for some kind of meditative prayer every day. Lexio, Ignatian meditation or contemplation, the rosary, whatever we find helpful, liturgy of the hours. And then lift up your heart frequently to God throughout the day. And then make an examination of conscience or examine, as we say today, if only when your hands are busy, but your mind can be free. That's a great example of choosing solid practices, choosing a sustainable amount of time, and then be faithful. And you'll be able to be faithful because the practices are rich and the amount of time you've chosen is sustainable. So somewhere to have some kind of daily practice of prayer, however we come to it, as you say, Chris, through a particular group or in any way that we come to it, to have that is a great support in the spiritual life. We'll return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love, 
and your grace, that is enough for me. Amen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies, with Father Timothy Gallagher. As you mentioned, uh, it pops into my mind the Benedictines, for example. One of the reasons why it will work so well in a monastery, and it could in your home too, and you've mentioned this, the importance of having reasonable times of sleep, of rest, of work, Try to let each portion of that, you might have to get in there and readjust some things, but that not one thing is dominating all the other areas that are so important. Yeah. And if you have that practice, it's kind of heartening, you know, because you can sustain it. We can't be creative every day in the sense of, well, how am I going to pray today? So when we do have those practices and they are sustainable, we can do it. I would say this as a principle, if anyone listening, for example, were maybe heard that 15 minutes of meditation, you know, would that be possible for me? Would more be possible for me? Maybe with four young children, and that even that isn't possible. I remember one woman who told me that the only way she could get any time to pray was to lock herself in the bathroom, you know, and even then she wouldn't get much time. If we're not sure about how much time to set aside for prayer, choose less rather than more. It's important to choose what you know you can sustain. And if it becomes evident as you go forward that you can do more and you feel drawn to more, then you can add. But it's better to start with what you know is sustainable because precisely you will sustain it. And then it'll grow in God's own time and in God's own way as we continue the spiritual journey. Would you say it's true, Father Gallagher, even for that young mother who is living out the fullness of her particular vocation at this time in her life as the mother of those young children, or maybe it's somebody who is working even whether in a factory setting or retail restaurant, and they they need to do the work to be able to sustain their vocation, that God is in there too, that he, if you're open to it, if you're even in a situation that may be leading you to what you may presume to be burnout, that in many ways God is there in those moments with the children, with the co-workers. He's not away from you in those moments. And you sure. may be able to hear him if you're physically healthy, emotionally, you know, in a good place and not confused by the choices you may have made. Does that make sense? Yeah, very much so. You know, in Paul's 
scenario as we set it up. He is approaching burnout because of a choice that he's made. And now, you know, with help is realizing needs to be moderated. But we could have a situation in which there's no choice on the person's part. You know, somebody in the family is chronically ill and needs a lot of care or problems at work and financial problems present themselves and don't resolve quickly or easily, or the individual himself or herself is dealing with physical struggles and and so forth, uh, tensions with uh, children, you know, and so forth. Again, we, we pray in, in the way that we can. And by facing those as best we can, we're doing something, again, I'll say that it is holy. That's where God is leading the person right now. That's the shape that the cross has taken right now for that person in his life, for that person in in her life. And the cross itself can become a means of closer communion with the Lord. A couple things come to mind as I'm saying this. One is the mother of St. Marie of the Incarnation, French and then finally Canadian saint, and watching her mother working and seeing her mother's lips just moving as her mother was working with her hands and recognizing that her mother is praying, you know, as she's doing this practice of the presence of God, our brother Lawrence, just to be aware of the Lord as we go through these things. As Venerable Bruno Lanteri says to this mother of four, lift up your heart frequently throughout the day to the Lord, but gently and with peace, just being aware of the Lord, of his presence and of his love. Having said all of that, I do want to reverence the fact that when our bodies are in pain, it's hard to pray. It's just very hard to pray. And again, the Lord doesn't ask the impossible from us. But in these situations that are ongoing, you know, where there, the cross takes these various forms, we pray, we pray in the way that we're able. And one of those ways, I think, is that constantly, often, frequently lifting up our heart to the Lord. Maybe too many things come to mind, so I'll just share one more and then I'll stop here. A contemplative monk was sent to a monastery as the prior of this monastery. When he met with the monks, he asked each of them seven times a day outside of the formal times of prayer, when they're out in the fields working or whatever work that they had to do, to stop for one minute and just lift up their hearts in communion with the Lord. And he said that after a year, they were all contemplatives, meaning that they had reached that kind of prayer. So that's possible for us. I don't mean formally seven minutes like that, but to live the day in the company of the Lord. I said I wouldn't add anything more, but I'll add one final thing here. It helps a lot to have sacred images around us. They're good reminders. They can be channels, instruments that God uses of an actual grace. As time has gone by, the walls of my room are getting more and more filled with these images, but I love them because they help me turn to this saint or that saint or the Trinity and so forth. Can I bring up something, too, that we haven't talked about in the last few conversations about non-spiritual desolation? Even in the stories, and maybe this is mirrored in our own lives, but in the stories, there was always a turning towards something else, whether you may watch television or you might turn to food or whatever that might be. And in today's world, I don't know about the rest of you out there, but the cell phone, how often if we really, I know, I well, maybe I should just speak for myself. 
I have to stop myself because it will contribute, amplify exhaustion because you really, we don't even have that silence. Maybe you can correct me, Father Gallagher, wasn't it Ignatius that would talk about there would be all the noise around us that can really disturb our peace? I'm paraphrasing. But the cell phone is very subtle. But in today's world, it's very rare. You don't see somebody, if they're just sitting somewhere, they don't have it waiting and filling their mind with all kinds of influences and anxieties. And you just don't have the rest. You don't give your brain the rest. Yeah, that's such a central thing now. So I'll say some things that are not formal teaching of the Catholic Church, and I don't claim our universal principles, but just some musings on this personally. So please, you know, take them for what they are, thoughts on this. I think that phones burst on the scene not too many years ago, and in various ways we all found out, oh, this is really helpful. I remember when I moved here to Denver and found that the phone could help me get where I needed to go in a place where everything was new. That's what led me to uh, get the smartphone. But we have not been through any kind of a process which instructs us on how to use them well. And so they can become uh, very dominant. I think where we are today is that we've reached a point in which it becomes evident that we need to make choices about using the phone. I don't think it's a good thing for us simply to use it unreflectively anymore. And I've seen people do a lot of different things to try to let's say, limit in a helpful way the place uh, the phone has in their lives. One person told me that he deleted the Safari web browser from his phone. He has a computer. When he needs to look up, he can look up there. Other one man that he um, deleted YouTube from his phone. Another that he resolved that he would not recharge the phone in the course of a day, You know, which limited how much he would use it in the course of the day. And I could go on with this, but I've seen a number of people, and I'm doing it myself, where I make conscious choices with regard to the phone. And I'll say this, after I made a couple of these choices, I got happier. You know, this is just Father Tim Gallagher, and this is not formal teaching by anybody else, but I've come to the conclusion that there is no consolation in the phone. You know, there is, obviously, if you get an email from a friend or a family member, I don't mean that. But when we're feeling discouraged and too lonely and so forth, and we turn to the phone, we won't find consolation there in the phone. So when I made some of these choices, two things happened. One was I felt I've got my life back again. And the second thing I realized is I'm happier now than I was before. So that's an important thing in terms of creating space for the spiritual life today. I think we really do need to make decisions about how we use the phone. And they take a little discipline, but we will love the fruits of them. Yeah, I've gotten to the point now where in my car, I will just drive without anything. I need silence. Or in waking up in the middle of the night, I used to get things and sit and listen. Now, we are on a medium right now that people are watching YouTube. They might be listening to the Discerning Hearts app. They might be doing all kinds of different things. And those are good things. But I think we can say moderation in all of that. And if that that's kind of a gut check, how much are we using something that is preventing us in the natural course of a day to have those moments of just silence, of just yeah. quiet? There are obvious benefits from the phone, which is why we have them. 
But I'll say, as I just said before, I think we've reached a point where we all need to make decisions about the use of our phone. And each of us will find his or her way to do that. But that we make decisions now, I think, is has become, I'd say, indispensable. Well, we've come to the close of this particular section of our series of conversations, particularly on non-spiritual desolation. Any final thoughts in this area before we move forward into the other aspects of spiritual desolation? So what if a person is struggling in the spiritual life and feeling good physically, no particular emotional vulnerabilities or discouragement of any kind, and basically his or her natural human energies physically and psychologically are good, and still the person is struggling in the spiritual life? Okay, that will lead us into the second part of our reflections. Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it in the free Discerning Hearts app. You can also view the video of this presentation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Struggles in the Spiritual Life, Their Nature and Their Remedies with Father Timothy Gallagher.